Oklahoma with two timeouts remaining. Landry Jones is in trouble and throws this one. Deflected, intercepted if he was in the air. He was past the out-of-bounds line, but he may have been in the air. And Sean Lewis, who scored on a 52-yard pick six, may have his second interception of the night. To try to send it to a second overtime. Conroy, it's a fake. Bates is going to throw. down at the 46-yard line. Plugs it and he gets back up. Dyer gets back up. Was he not on the ground? Interesting. NCAA football would never be the same after that play. You know how many years in a row you could, like, you know, get up uh, and keep running? Because of the Michael Dyer play, because that was 2010, so we had uh, at least yeah, four years. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> That's uh, fascinating. <laughs> I you know, know I gotta that. say though, not only we've talked about this before, but not only was that the call of the year, play call wise, but it was the call of the year announcing wise. Yeah, I mean, Brad Nessler definitely knocked that one out of the park. That was yeah. Brent Musburger, wasn't it? And Musburger Brad did the Brad Nessler the, did the uh, uh, Michigan State Notre Dame game. Yeah, Nessler, Nessler did Michigan State Notre Dame. Uh, Musburger was oh. on the other two calls. Hmm. All right, yeah. Texas A and M. Boom, we are here. First off, some news, some housekeeping. Haynes King is going to be the starter, more than likely. That's everything I'm hearing. What that tells me is Haynes King made that growth because honestly he did not look good before he got hurt and then he got hurt. But this offseason he might have made a lot of strides in growth if he's able to beat out a talented kid in Connor Wigman who's been there since January and an experienced starter in Max Johnson who has also been there since uh, spring ball started. He was a dude who went 60% passing last year, 27 to 6 touchdown to interception ratio. Tyler, to me, he was definitely the guy Max Johnson was for sure. I mean, if you would have asked me when the offseason started or when it was announced he was going over there, I thought maybe he would be the guy. We know Connor Wagman's a year away at least from being the guy. I mean, he's probably going to get a redshirt year, and, and, and he'll, we'll be back next year with him. However, Haynes King was not the guy I expected to start. Honestly, if anything, I thought Haynes King was going to be transferring I did at, too. At, at this point in the season because he would be announced that Max Johnson's a starter and, and Connor Wegman as the backup and Haynes King would have to fight through a season and then transfer somewhere else. With that not being the case, I don't know don't know how it's gonna go. We'll see. Hopefully Haynes can stay not only stay healthy, but just just have a better season. I mean, he's definitely talented enough in my opinion to get the yes. job done at quarterback. But he does have Max Johnson breathing down his neck. Like, you know, a, a bad game even in week two against Appalachian State, and we could be talking about Max Johnson taking over. Yeah, and and here's the thing that you guys, uh, I mean, I don't think y'all said it, but you know this this uh, this quarterback battle and everything that's going down in College Station. You know, King won the battle last year and was the starter, and and like you said, you know, there was a couple of moments where he didn't look impressive, but he was still a freshman. 
he was a freshman starting quarterback. And so that's, I think there's some growing pains to be expected with that. And then he got hurt and that kind of just derailed any growth we would have seen from him last year, whatever he's shown in practice, they have the same confidence. Fisher and his squad has the same confidence in King that they saw last year and not, not much has changed, but like you said, Max Johnson, I feel like has to be probably one bad game, maybe even one bad, you know, half away from, from taking over the reins and kind of trying to right the ship a little bit. I, I don't know how much of a leash Fisher is going to have King on this year. It'll be interesting to watch. Well, I think he's going to have a pretty big leash just because of the fact that, uh, you know, he's their guy at this point, if that's going to happen. Now, Max Johnson transferred there. His girlfriend and brother were going to Texas A&M before he transferred. That's why I knew he was going to, when he was in the portal, I knew where he was going to end up. Uh, I think anybody who really knew those minor little details would have also known where he would end up. Uh, They bring back a guy in Devin A. Chain as well, who's going to be in in the backfield behind them. They also have a wide receiver in Anaya Smith, who is an all-SEC type playmaker and athlete. But, you know, you're talking about a team who had two guys over 500 yards receiving, and the only one at the wide receiver position was Anaya Smith, with the other one being Jalen Wiedemeyer. The guy I'm looking at is the true freshman, Evan Stewart. The kid's a yep. beast. He, he's the best wide receiver from this past class. I don't care what anybody says. Kid's a beast. He's going to make an yep. impact in year one. Do you expect this passing game to be more prolific with Haynes King or with Max Johnson at, at the helm? I mean, passing game, I think Max Johnson's a guy. I mean, it, it's very clear. But I think that – they're, they're not going to be a team that wants to rely on the pass. I mean, they have a running back in Devin A-Chain who could easily, you know, be the SEC leader in rushing yards. It'd be, I mean, talk about Alabama running backs, yeah, but they're going to be two guys splitting carries. Uh, I don't I don't know what Georgia's running back room looks like. Mississippi State doesn't throw the ball. Ole Miss is going to be splitting carries. So, I mean, Devin A-Chain is probably the guy they're going to run this offense through. However, I think it's possible that um, – Haynes King could still be decent. He was 22 of 35 for 300 yards, two touchdowns, three picks last year. If he can cut down the turnovers and, you know, just, just make plays, I think, I think it'll be all right. And honestly, I don't see, I don't see the gap being huge. I think it, like I said, I think it'll be better with Max Johnson, but I don't think it's a huge disparity between the two. No. And I don't think they're going to be necessarily like Tyler said, I don't think they're going to rely on the pass, but King is not that bad of a passer. With when you've got a guy like A Chain, you know this. The King is the more mobile quarterback, bill, and that's going to be, I think, what what suits that offense well is is having that option attack plus King's ability to throw. I mean, you look at the stats from last year. This was an A and M team that ranked 58th in terms of points per game at 29, but they were in the eight like 90s. They were 88th in passing yards per game. They did not rely on throwing the ball around. Just 209 average passing yards per game. They really did feed the rock through a chain and, and their running yeah. backs, 44th with uh, about 884 rushing yards per game. And in their losses, you saw what the defenses were able to do. They were able to limit the ground game. And that's really what lost AM some of those close games. The game that they lost down in Baton Rouge, um, 
the, the LSU's defense was able to really, you know, keep that mm-hmm. AM rushing attack in check. And that's what allowed them and, you know, some late maybe ref ball a little bit, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so that's, that's the, what the AM offense was relying on last year. Uh, and when you've got a guy like a chain, I think that, uh, you know, being able to get King back and have that as another option with the ground game and, also, he, he still can throw the ball around. I think this is going to be a really good offense that this AM team is going to have with King as a starter. But per, pure passing, if they were to go that route, I would say Johnson needs to be the guy. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how uh, this offense goes ahead and kind of uh, gels. It, it's a little bit of a – we'll get to their schedule, but it's a little bit of a slow-ish start compared to the type of schedule that they do have to play throughout the entire course of the season. On yeah. defense, Antonio Johnson is a versatile DB who really could play any of the five or six positions that you would want anybody to play. He could play deep safety. He's he's listed as a safety when you're talking about NFL type of stuff, but he lined up at nickelback last year. He lined up on the outside. I also like this, uh, this younger player, but I like his talent, Tyreek Chappell. Uh, he's a really good player as well. Uh, they do have to replace quite a bit on their offensive line or offensive line. Defensive front seven, though. I mean, DeMarvin Leal, let's start mm-hmm. there. How do you replace such a dominant force on the inside? It's with McKinley Jackson last year who didn't get too – or this year who didn't get too many looks last year because he was behind Leal partly. But also it's just you're talking about a team here that really has they, – they have that talent. I'm interested to see if Walter Nolan, another interior defensive lineman, Shamar Stewart – Anthony Lucas, two edge rushers here. These freshman guys, I'm curious to see how quickly they make an impact. I think Shamar Stewart is going to make an impact early. What say you guys? Well, I'll go ahead since Tyler stepped away for a moment. I mean, yeah, that that's a big question for this AM defense is that front seven because you talk about a, a unit that was third across the country in terms of points given up per game. They were, you know, if it weren't for how dominant Georgia was, they'd be top two with just allowed 16 points per game as a defense last year. That's still really, really good. And that's a you know a four-loss team in this AM squad that only allowed 16 points a game. So, you know, they won a lot more than they lost, but in the games that they did lose, it was because they were giving up a lot of rushing yards. They gave up 136 yards per game in 2021. That was 36th in the country. They were more effective at, you know, slowing down and and limiting the passing attack. Um, As you saw in in that Alabama game, they were ranked 17th across the country, allowing just about 193 passing yards per game. And so that's, that's really the big question with this A&M team is how dominant, how, how much is that, you know, what they lost last year going to affect them in the front seven, because if they're not able to get stops in the rushing attack, that's where their problems are going to be because we know the yeah. secondary is their stronger unit and they can get stops when they need to. Against especially like you look at the heavy air raid that Mississippi State runs or, or some of the other, you mm-hmm. know, big big time passing attacks. 
Yeah, and to top it all off, too, I mean, Damani Richardson in the back end also was a really good player for them last year. Antonio Johnson is the one getting the hype. I think the secondary is looking to be really strong, and some of these younger players like Denver Harris, for example, can possibly be able to take over at some point. I think they're very confident in their depth at linebacker as well. I mean, Ish Harris and Martrell Harris, both of these guys are not supposed to really be hitting the field anytime soon because of what they have ahead Andre White and Edrin Cooper two guys that they are very confident in it's just a matter of how much pressure can they get on the quarterback because to be honest with you it's not like they they couldn't get pressure at the quarterback but at the times at, at times last year it seemed like that pass rush was non-existent and it was mm-hmm. all coming through DeMarvin Leal in the middle and Tyree Johnson, Michael Clemens, they had their moments, but they just weren't those dudes. So I'm curious to see what some of these guys are going to be able to do to step up, whether it's a deli, well, whether it's Diggs or, you know, Stewart and Lucas, as I mentioned previously, we'll see yeah. if one of these edge rushers can get there because having a lead lead sack, a sack leader be from your defensive tackle position and your interior defensive line. We all know that that is not a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. So Tyler said he will be back in a minute. I'm going to go yeah. ahead and pull up the schedule here. So you'll see what I was talking about as far as everything goes. If you exclude UMass, that after the bye, the last month and a half of the season, super duper tough. And then that four-game stretch of Miami, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Alabama, also super tough. One of the toughest schedules in America, Sam Houston, App State, that's a good way to start because even though App State's a challenge, there is no way, no how App State should compete with Texas A&M. But I think we we agree on Sam Houston, though, again, that'll be an interesting game because Sam Houston is really good. Sam yeah. Houston and UMass, both going to be wins. Tyler marked them down already. We're going to kind of – by time until Tyler gets back here or yeah. just start going through it. Well, and, and, you know, we can talk a little bit about these matchups since we've already got them listed as wins. I, I think that the Sam Houston game will be more competitive than UMass because you're talking about a Sam Houston team that was a threat last year to win back-to-back FCS national championships. If it weren't for the fact that they had won the spring, you know, 2021 COVID year, which was actually supposed to be in 2020, um, and, and then, you know, they had to play a fall season right after as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, having that time to, you know, get healthy again, everything like that. The, they were on a roll there where they won like 20, 21 straight games, I think, or something like that before they finally fell in, in the quarterfinals um, of the FCS playoffs last year. And so, you know, this is a, this is a pretty decent team and they will actually have had a normal rest condition you know build back to a fall schedule as opposed to playing a schedule in the spring playing a schedule again in the fall and being at a high level for a full calendar year so this is going to be a very interesting test there's no way that i think sam houston actually wins this game but we've seen a&m in the past even when they were clearing away the better team when they weren't facing a team that has the talent like Sam Houston has, where they would struggle in the first half against an FCS team, especially early in the year, trying to shake off the rust. So this game could be pretty close. You know, you're looking at the score at halftime and you're like, how is this only like a touchdown game or something like that? And then AM, you know, pulls away in the second half and, and, and gets it right and gets it going. 
I, I could very easily see that. Um, and, and that's just me being, you know, the, te the lone Texas representative here mm -hmm. of loudmouth sports. I kind of, it's my job to keep up with what goes on in the Lone Star state, whether it's FBS, FCS, division two, and somewhat even division three, when you talk about Mary Hart and Baylor. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And then uh, if you move on to that app state game too, it'll be interesting to see how the front seven does play front six, because they do like to play five DBs a lot. Yeah. Uh, but when needed, they'll play They'll play a third linebacker, of course. I'm curious to see how strong that depth on the defensive line is, how much of a push they can get, because App State's going to try to pound the ball. App State's not going to get anywhere against a team like Texas A&M trying to throw the ball for about 450 yards with Chase Bryce. I mean, the man probably, like, is going to throw five interceptions. He can't he throw for 450 times. yards. Exactly. That's kind of what I'm saying. So especially, especially not without Thomas Hennigan. I'm sorry that mm -hmm. that receiving room is going to need some help. But yeah, well, uh, and you, you're Chase Bryce at, with Thomas Hennigan can't throw for fucking 400 yards. You're our app state expert, so why don't you go ahead and, and talk about this matchup? It's not a good one. Um, <laughs> I think I think A&M going to win. I mean, it's pretty obvious that this that A&M is far more talented. At most, this may look like Miami App State last year for a half, mm -hmm. yeah. and then and then uh, A and M pulls away. I mean, it's an easy win for me to sit here and talk about Texas A and M. But don't fret, App State fans. You know what I said. UNC, you're going down week one, so uh, you can at least live off of that. Rule news. Yeah. We, I mean, might I have, <laughs> we might have some sort of friendly little wager going on here about yeah. that game. I'm thinking about it. Is that the I'll game on the cheese? Dude, dude, if UNC wins, I'll go wear a fucking UNC shirt. We need to do the ghost in Boone. In Boone? Ghost pepper chips? Dude, I did those enough. <laughs> no, we all need to do them. Yeah, we do them. Do don't fucking cry. Good. That'll be funny. <laughs> Good. All right, anyway. Anyway. Year old cry on camera. Wait, wait a minute. Click, You're talking click, about me. You. You're talking about me. Okay. Yeah. Um... So yeah, I, I think A and M wins this game. I think that this will be you know pretty close for for first half, and it's not like what I was talking about with with Sam Houston. I think that App State is more talented than Sam Houston, but I think A and M will maybe even for like the first quarter and a half, it'll be competitive, and then A and M once they kind of like finally get it figured out and 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 get rolling, they'll 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 make you know they'll put App State behind and in the dust. Yep. Uh, I got this as an easy win. I don't really think it's ever going to be that close. So like I was mentioning, I just don't think it's a great matchup. In fact, it is a perfect test for that defensive line of Texas A&M to really grow up early on in the season. And another test is going to happen against Jalen Knight in, in the Miami Hurricanes. And I say Jalen Knight only because I'm curious about that run game. Like I said, I'm very high on the secondary. I think some of these hey, guys. DJ, that's how you mute your mic to do something. <laughs> I have a button on my microphone and I hit that button. It says mute and it was supposed to mute. <laughs> anyway, so Miami, a lot of people are going to talk about Miami's past game and Tyler Van Dyke, but I, like I mentioned before, and I don't know if you were listening, Tyler, but I like that. I mentioned before, that secondary for Texas A&M, it's really talented to the point where that's the one spot on defense where I feel 
you can ease in the freshman. They don't have to play immediately. And those two safeties, the versatile Antonio Johnson, and then also having Robinson back there, or Richardson, Damani Richardson, um, having both of the, go, those guys back for another year, that's just a bad matchup to me, and I think this is an easy win for Texas A&M as well. They're 3-0, and this will be a ranked win because, as you can see, Miami does have a 16 next to their name. Yeah, I think this Miami team's good. I just don't think they're good enough to go into Kyle Field and win. I think they're going to struggle. This Miami team, realistically, has not really had to play in a tough environment as of late. I mean, and they don't play in one themselves. I mean, <laughs> NFL Stadium is not a tough place to play. I'm sorry. Hard Rock Stadium is one of the least intimidating places to go unless it's a national championship. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I think Miami struggles. They kind of caved to the, the, you know, the crowd, really. And that's what gets them out of this game. Yeah, I think Miami will be able to hang around for a little bit, but I think it's going to be a real struggle for Tyler Van Dyke and this passing attack to really have the loss. It's really going to be the question of how much of a you know how much do they get from their ground game, and I just don't think it's going to be enough. So I think Miami loses, and, and Texas A&M does indeed move to a three zero with a victory. Yeah, and the path to an upset in that game is honestly. Tyler Van Dyke having time to throw. If if Texas A&M does have problems like they did at times last year, pressuring the quarterback, I mean, that was the only place where Texas A&M's defense had flaws. They were fantastic yeah. with run stopping because they were strong in the middle. But like yeah. I said, two interior guys were absolutely the catalyst when it comes to pass rush, and now you got to get them off the edge. We'll see if Shamar Stewart can have a big game here, get a couple of sacks, and people can start – knowing who he is as far as a college football player goes. Arkansas, neutral site, AT&T Stadium. Uh, I don't love that this is a neutral site game, but I love the matchup. So Tyler, I, I do. I like that it's a neutral site because it's it's not quite Texas OU, but it is sort of a halfway point between Fayetteville and College Station, getting to play a big-time DFW environment, you know, where there's a lot of recruiting. And and both coaches like having that aspect because they can go and recruit in DFW on a Friday night and have that game Saturday. Plus, Jerry loves to throw his money around when it comes to Arkansas. He'd, he'd, have, oh, yeah. he'd have every game uh, Arkansas plays at Jerry World if he could. But they <laughs> if wouldn't he could, yeah. yeah. Um, well, well, the only thing I'll say about that, BJ, is – I just, as a fan, knowing these two teams and the little rivalry that they've developed in the last decade, and specifically the last year, because Arkansas fans are chirping at AM fans a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, and you, stuff like that. Yeah, you just look back at how many close games they played, even when Arkansas was complete and utter crap. Oh, yeah. And AM was supposed to be really good when Kevin Sumlin, they, they had three or four years in a row where it was either in overtime or one score game. And Arkansas was was complete doo doo, but until last year, A and M won every single one of those matchups. So having it on campus would be awesome to me. Do you see my point there? Yes, I absolutely understand your point. I just maybe I'm biased because I'm a DFW guy. Yeah, I have not well, I don't, I'm with you, BJ. I don't mind a, a neutral site rivalry game like that. I mean, I yeah. just don't like it. It's as like Florida, Florida, Georgia. I don't even like that. The only one that I like is OU Texas. Texas OU. Yeah, that's the only one I like. That's the, o- that's the OG. Army Navy. Anyway, Tyler, what's your pick here? You know, I I think this game's going to look similar to last year. Arkansas run game still there. 
but can Arkansas throw the ball? They got to find Jaden Hazelwood. They got to find these new weapons at receiver. Can they get the job done? I think this is going to be a tight game. I don't think this looks anything like last year in terms of scoreboard wise. Uh, I actually have Texas A&M getting the win close, 27-24 type game. I think this is going to be pretty similar to last year, not necessarily in terms of score wise or anything like that. But it, this is the question. I, I my in my mind, this is going to be the ultimate test, the first real big test that A and M's front seven is going to face. I'm I'm sorry, you know, to tell you, Tyler, but I think Arkansas has got a better rush offense than App State does, and you, I mean, you probably agree. What are you sorry you? about? I, why, <laughs> where would I disagree? Well. I just because Colin was talking about you know matchup wise the App State beat game being a test and I I kind of disagree with that I think this is going to be the first test of and no I disagree that's, that's, the, best, that's the best that's the best running back room in the group of five they have a chance uh, true. to true. run the ball but they can't throw yeah. the ball they can't that's hang. not true, what I'm true. saying what okay. I was saying right. is it's a May, big yeah. growing up moment for Texas A&M to be able to play App State in week two I'm yeah May, I don't maybe think that's what really a test. Yeah, maybe I misunderstood then. Anyway, um, the the way I see it is that this Arkansas team is going to be successful in doing what they want to do. They run the ball really well, and when they are needing to throw, they can throw it pretty well. They're, the way they run their offense, they don't have to you know chuck it deep. They can just run those little pop passes, the bubble screens, and then they'll just run and pound you down into the ground. And I think you know I've talked about what I think of this Arkansas team. I've got a lot of big expectations for them this year. And they kind of prove it on the field in AT&T Stadium, and they win for the second year in a row against the Zaggy squad. I've got AM losing this game. It's going to be close, though. Yeah, I feel like this is actually going to be the game where people are going to see how good of a player Walter Nolan is on the inside. I think he's going to get some pretty 50-50 reps, and I think this might be the first game he does that because of the rush attack that Arkansas has. So I think this is – a pretty controlling victory for AM. Even though this game's usually close, I don't think so this time. I think the passion uh, in this game, trying to get back from last year, and then also that matchup to me, I feel like this is going to be a huge testament to complete Texas AM as a football team for the year. And this is, this is, you know, going to make or break their season. They could either be 10, 10 or 11 wins with this Arkansas win. Or they can lose this game, be back around eight and four, just like they have been, other than the COVID year. Uh, at Mississippi State, a tough place to play, sandwiched between Arkansas and Alabama. You would think this would be an upset pick for a lot of people. Is it one for you, Tyler? No, not quite. Uh, we talk about the secondary for the Texas A&M team. I think they're going to be able to stop this Mississippi State air raid attack. I mean, I'm not going to say. Let me rephrase that. Let me not say stop. I don't think stop's the right word, but I think they're going to slow them down. Limit. They're going to keep them controlled. And I think that Texas a comes out of here with a win. And, you know, we talked about a close game against Arkansas. I don't know that this one's that close. I think they're going to be able to kind of control this game and set up a big-time, big-time matchup in Brian Denny. Yeah, I don't think this is a necessarily, especially because I've got the win for Arkansas. I can't I, – I don't imagine that – AM is is looking ahead in this game because of where it comes on the schedule. This is a, you know, if they win against Arkansas, it's a prime trap game, if you will, but I'm not going to necessarily predict it as such. I think that this Texas AM, as as you mentioned, Tyler, their their secondary is going to be able to limit this Mississippi State air raid attack. And 
I think it's a comfortable victory. I think, you know, last year what we saw, I was watching the AM Mississippi State game from last year again just over the weekend. AM was not really able to run the ball against Mississippi State in that game. What part of the reason why they lost at home. And I, I don't expect that to be the the same way again this year. So I think they get a bounce back victory and set themselves up for what should still be a big time matchup with Alabama, even if they already have a loss at this point. Yeah, uh, I have this as a win, too. One of the most underrated units, though, in the entire SEC is definitely Mississippi State's defense. But I think what is going to be needed in this game and then also the Arkansas game to end up winning those two games is they're going to have to have a presence in the pass game. They don't necessarily have to be absolutely potent. But, I mean, last year, the reason that was, and I watched that game, last year Mm -hmm. Mississippi State had no respect for the pass game in Zach Calzada last year. And Zach Calzada couldn't win that game. And he was asked to, and he couldn't come up in that one. And he came up against Alabama, which we're about to talk about Alabama. But I think this being a road game, this is going to be kind of murky for a little while, but eventually A&M kind of pulls away. I just don't think Will Rogers in this offense is going to be able to throw it all all, all around the yard uh, on this Texas A&M defense. I got like something like, 35 to 16 at the end of it, but you might look at it and it's like 17 to 13 at halftime. Isn't it funny? AM had the same three games to start their SEC slate last year with mm-hmm. the Arkansas game in, in, in Jerry world and then hosting Mississippi state and then hosting Alabama. They lost Arkansas and Mississippi state last year. And then they got that huge upset win because everybody pretty much had, had taken them out with, with Calzada quarterback from that Alabama game. I just find this, it funny that that's the same three games again this year. And this is the stupidity, too, of the SEC scheduling. The third straight game away from home for Texas A&M, all three SEC games, by the way. At Alabama, we heard him chirping and stuff like this. Tyler, do you think this game is going to be close? Well, first of all, first of all, Jimbo, why do you back down? You had your foot on Nick Saban's neck, and you just backed up. Oh, I don't want to fight, man. I just, I just want to play football. Shut up, bitch. That's why you're losing this game. You guys are going to get your ass whooped just for that alone. Because I promise you, Nick Saban ain't apologizing. <sighs> BJ? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be regardless. I, I just think that this Alabama team is going to be really motivated because this was an A&M team that they overlooked last year. I, I think it's very fair to say that they overlooked this matchup going on the road. They expected it to be an easy win, and it was anything but with, with Calzada at quarterback. He found whatever spark he needed to lead that upset and, and really you know, almost derail their, their season. They were able to bounce back from it and, and respond and make it all the way to the title game. But I just can't imagine that everything we've seen this offseason, it's not, it's not 2012. A&M's not going to go in and win in, in Tuscaloosa. So give me the Crimson Tide. Of course, I don't have a win here for Texas A&M, but I think this game's really going to be close. And really what they're going to need to do to be able to win it is just muck it up the same way that LSU did in 2011. I'm not saying you need to make it all field goals because I think they can score. But, man, uh, I don't think that this whole entire drama is going to be that big of a deal, to be honest with you, because – I don't feel like that's really how Saban works. Motivating his team because a coach was taking jabs at him 
like he's not prideful enough for that, or at the very least, he's not going to try to motivate. What he's going to try to motivate them on is the fact that they beat him last year. That's the only thing. And I just think A&M's too good of a team for Alabama to go ahead and blow out. But they're going to be a little bit youthish at spots. So I think if Alabama wins by 10, that won't be super surprising if they win something like 27 to 17. Uh, but I think this game's going to be low scoring, close, tight, hard fought. And at the end of the day, Alabama, who has the best defense in the country, pulls it off. It's not yeah. fifty nine nothing again, but I, I just no. I think I'm, it's I'm I don't think like even, 31-17. That's kind of yeah, I was I that's so. kind of where I was sitting too, like 28-14, 31-17, kind of two touchdown difference. At South Carolina, off of a bye. This is the fourth straight game in SEC play away from home, away from Cal Field. Now yeah. I would say, oh, that poor fan base, but they're a bunch it's just a big old cult. <laughs> They're 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 just going to take a bus to all these places or whatever, and <laughs> that's what they they got the three straight home game. games to start the season because they get shafted when it comes to the SEC. Slate. They really did though. But talk about a Colt go down to Clemson, South Carolina. <laughs> I don't know if uh, they're just weird. They're just weird. I mean, I that's that, Colt, that, dude. I'm telling you. Yeah. It's I'm telling you, you, uh, have you seen some people that go after Davo and then and they're like that, that man that. I mean, it's helping cure cancer. Uh, what do you? What are you pro cancer? Like, <laughs> well, it's like it's like it's like A and M fans. I mean, we don't we don't even have to talk about the J jars, but we already know that. No, that's... no, stop. No, <laughs> the J could have meant no. jelly. No, no. <laughs> so off of the bye, we get a road game at South Carolina. What do you guys have for this game? Do you have an upset, Tyler? I know you're high on them. I do, actually. Uh, I think the South Carolina team is going to get one. I've, I've, I've tempered my expectations with the South Carolina team. I don't think they're going to be up near the 10-win mark I had them at to begin with, and we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, don't hang your head, jackass. I, I said I brought them down. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm telling you, th- this is a team – that can come out and get somebody at Williams Bryce Stadium. It's a tough place to play. I mean, let's let's be real here. This is this is not an easy stadium to go in and win, especially when South Carolina yeah. is good. And I think they're going to be good this year. I'm not saying great. I'm not saying exceptional. I'm saying good. This is a team that I think goes in or comes in their home stadium, and they're going to get a win uh, to kind of keep their SEC East hopes alive. I don't know how much, but they're – Longer they will, but they'll they'll keep them alive for another week. So I think that uh, this is going to be a South Carolina team. I talked about we we've talked about where you know I kind of expect them to start getting things figured out. It's going to be right around this point in the schedule. It's not going to quite be enough to win this game, but they're going to make their make sure that it's damn near close that they could pull this one off. I'm giving a And M a slight win on the road. But even then, I don't feel necessarily great about it. I, I think this very easily could go either way. This is right around the time that South Carolina starts to finally figure it out and keeps the momentum rolling into November. Uh, I got a win here for Texas A&M. Off of a bye, I, they're more talented than South Carolina, even with how high you are on them. If they sleepwalk through this game, it's going to be close. But if if yeah. they're ready, they're focused, they've been doing their homework on the South Carolina team, and they're taking them seriously, in which if they're as good as Tyler was thinking they're going to be, and I don't know what you're thinking of them to this point, 
But if they're that good, then Texas A&M is going to be awake for this game. And if Texas A&M is awake for this game, I really do think that they're just a better team. Now, to me, I got South Carolina at 3-3 three and three to this point because their schedule is just really tough. I mean, that's just what it is. They could go 6-6, yeah. six and six, in my opinion, South Carolina can, and we'll talk about them more on Wednesday. They could go 6-6 six and six overall, and they would, they would still possibly be a top 35, top 40 team in, the, in America. That's how tough their schedule is. So yeah. it, it yeah. wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for them to drop the 3-4 and four with this loss here to Texas A&M, given what their schedule presents. Ole Miss yeah. at home in Kyle Field. Another revenge game, right? If I remember yeah. correctly, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they lost it to Vaughn Hemingway last year. Yeah, because Ole Miss only lost to uh, they lost Bama to Alabama and, and who else? Mm, it be Arkansas. It, was it uh, Auburn? Was it Auburn before Auburn completely fell off because of the so. poor play calling and not settling for field goals? That sounds right to me. I'll look. Um, but yeah, we got Ole Miss on the schedule here. Ole Miss is a big mystery to me. Um, they did lose Auburn. No, Uh, they lost, they lost, uh, Ole Miss lost to Alabama, Auburn, and Baylor. Yeah. Well, yeah, I wasn't including Baylor because they had in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. They did lose Auburn though. Uh, but yeah, talking about, uh, this Ole Miss game anyway, Ole Miss is a huge mystery to me a big mystery team. And I'm curious what you guys think the, uh, the rebels are going to do here. So what are your predictions for this game, Tyler? Well, almost does have a really solid running back room. Ulysses Bentley, if he could say healthy Zach Evans, I think both those guys could be pretty big weapons for them. The big question is a quarterback is Jackson Dart. The guy, is he going to be the one who kind of lit? I mean, I won't want to say lifts them back up. They won 10 games last year, but can he follow up Matt Corral? and get mm-hmm. them back in that same situation. I don't know if year one that's going to be the case. This is going to be – this will be a closer game if AM was playing this on the road, but they're not. I think AM wins comfortably. I'm not saying blowout, but I think they'll win comfortably. See, I disagree. I think that for the reasons you listed, you know, the running back room of, of Evans and Bentley is going to be kind of similar, not necessarily saying the same thing, but kind of similar to how this Arkansas game, how I envision it going. And I do believe that Jackson Dart will be a good quarterback for them this year. And when he has to throw in this game, I think he will be able to make plays and, and give this Ole Miss team, this offense, enough momentum that they could squeak this one out on the road. I've got Ole Miss going into Kyle and pulling off the upset. So I've got the Rebels winning this game and AM suffering their third loss. Not so fast, my friend. There's a lot of unknown with Ole Miss. Uh, I think this oh, offense is definitely the farther along in the season that they go. I think Texas A&M's offense and Evan Stewart is going to be part of that equation as a freshman. Uh, they're going to really get clicking. I think they could possibly drop a, a 40 bomb on Ole Miss here. And I'm just I'm, – I'm unsure about Ole Miss's offense. They have some talent, but they're also missing some pieces. And ultimately – the fact that Jackson Dart hasn't taken that job yet by a guy who I thought was pretty average when he came in last year, which was uh, Luke Altmaier, I, I just don't see it. So I'm, I'm giving another win for 
Ole Miss or for Texas A&M, whoa, um, I'm giving another win for Texas A&M as they go ahead and rematch from that classic game in 2020 where Dan Mullen complained and complained and complained the Florida Gators come into town for the second time in three years, which is yeah unheard of in the SEC. Very weird because of – but. It's happening. It's like seven years in between matchups most years, but because of, you know, the COVID season, they have not played. They, they played in year one, 2012, back in the Johnny Manziel year. But until 2020, they hadn't played again in that span. Yeah, Texas A&M has not even hosted Georgia to this point. Yeah. So that's just, I mean, we're talking about 10 years. So, but yep. yeah, Tyler – what do you got with this Florida game? I don't like this Florida team. I really don't. Um, I've been pretty vocal about it. You know, caught some hate on TikTok for it, but you know, it is what it is. I don't. I don't like this team, and my opinion of this game has specifically changed. I have AM winning this game and uh, continuing a pretty, pretty good season in November. Yeah, I'm not high on this Florida team at all, and I, I can't, can't find the stat. I'm looking for it. Uh, Jimbo Fisher has had Florida's number even going back to his days at FSU. I think he only has one loss all time against this Florida team, and I don't expect that to change. I think A&M responds back at home and with a solid victory over this Florida team. Watch out, guys. Watch out. This is going to be a win for A&M, but this one's going to be good. Unlike you guys, my tone is completely different on Florida. I think as the year goes on, they're going to be a lot better, and I think they're going to be a sneaky good team and a dangerous team in November. This happens to take place in November. I think if Anthony Richardson, as long as he can stay healthy, because Jack Miller is supposed to be out for, I think, the season. Um, So their backup situation at quarterback – not very good. So hopefully AR15, and again, I will call him that even though I don't like the nickname just because, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> we get one. We get with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also love this running back room. You know, Johnson, Wright, Lingard, Etienne. I, I love seeing that. And then also this defense, it, it's got a lot of pieces that I like that I think everything about them is just going to be better later in the season. Ricky Purcell is going to be a lot better later in the season, as well as Justin Shorter ha- paired up with Whitmore and Henderson. But I don't think all of that's going to be enough to be able to go into uh, College Station and beat Texas A&M at Kyle Field, especially with how long they had been away from Kyle Field. So, yeah, this is going to be a win for the Aggies. Yeah, so Jimbo Fisher's 8-1 and all-time, and even in that 2020 game that Florida was closer in and had a better team in, that wasn't Kyle Field full capacity like it has been in, in past years. I'll tell Dan Mullen that. that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Back on the road uh, yeah. against Auburn. And, man, I, I I feel bad for Auburn fans, man. I mean, they when you got T.J. Finley or Zach Alzano to look up to, you really don't have a lot to look forward to in a football season. <laughs> so, I guess I might as well say win for A&M, and I don't think this game's close. I don't know that Auburn's going to get it figured out this year, and Parson may be on the way out. 
This isn't 2014. The underdog is not going to win in Jordan Hare, but that time it was A&M pulling off the road win as the underdog. This time A&M's the favorite, and, and I'd expect them to win pretty comfortably. I just don't buy into this Auburn team at this point, and I think that this is going to be a, a lost season that we might see another coaching change down on the high plains. Yeah, I really – I mean, I'm hearing a lot of things about Auburn from people that I tend to respect, and I've tried to see eye to eye with them. I trust a lot of what they say, but with them, I just don't see it. And and they could go five and seven theoretically and be a very good team still because they're just not better than seven teams on their tough schedule. Yeah. Penn State is one of their out of conference games. We all know what I think about Penn State. Yeah. I don't even think they're that good of a team, though. Like, I, I really don't. I don't even think they're going to be all that competitive in all but, like, two or three games. They might be able to pull off an upset. Um, this is going to be an easy win for me. They're just way more talented, way better. There's not really a matchup I love for Auburn. I mean, I guess if you want to go ahead and look at that offensive line that has experience and then Tank Bigsby and Jacquez, Jarquez Hunter or that's that's fine. You can talk yourself into an upset here. I'm not going to do it. At this point, I feel like A&M is going to be clicking. We all got the win against UMass here, and the final game is going to be what has been a final game for quite a while, LSU. Yeah. What do you got? You know, I, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I, I have a lot of question marks around. It was a weird noise. Sorry. Sounds like BJ's messing with his mic, but uh, not intentionally. I don't know what's going on. Oh, okay. Uh, anyways, uh, LSU is a team that I'm kind of back and forth on. I think they're going to be a good team. I just don't know that they're going to be able to get above that hump to be a great team this year. First year under Brian Kelly, what are they able to do? Um, I just I don't think they're going to be able to close the season with a win. I think A and M wins this game. I don't know about. I think they'll be in control the majority of the game in terms of being in the lead. It'll kind of, it won't really be in question, but it'll be close enough to kind of have people on the edge of their seats. But I think I think A and M ultimately comes home uh, with the win and finishes ten and two. Yeah, I think LSU is going to be a decent team, but decent isn't going to beat this A and M team. So especially on the road at Kyle Field, I think that A and M is is really after that Ole Miss loss is is really going to find another gear offensively than than they were in some of their close losses that I have, especially mentioned the Arkansas and Ole Miss games. Um, and I, I think that they'll finish off the season strong and, and really put themselves in, in, in a good position to make it to um, trying to think of what – would this be the Citrus Bowl, the Outback Bowl, potentially territory at 9-3? Nine and 9-3 three? Nine and, nine and three would probably be around Citrus Bowl. Okay. I have talked myself into a loss here for A&M. Um, first what travels in the sec is defense. And I think this defense has a lot of strong, absolutely awesome pieces, um, on this team. I mean, you look at specifically BJ Ojolari, and then you, you in the back end, Makai Gardner and some guys that I really trust the physical defense that played pretty well last year. I mean, this is the team that did almost beat Alabama simply because Alabama couldn't score. I'm hoping the mm -hmm. run game is figured out for LSU by this point because right now I don't know who's supposed to start in those first two games with John Emery suspended for two games. 
I think John Emery's an okay player. I don't think he's that great anyway, but and I know what Noah Kane is. Noah Kane is not very good. Armani Goodwin, Trey Bradford, one of those two guys need to step up. But I think Jaden Daniels is going to be a big playmaker for this team. Uh, a l- very underrated player because I think he's a guy that had a high ceiling but hasn't been developed to his ability. I love this uh, wide receiver core. Uh, it's kind of give and take with this offensive line, but it's very talented and late in the season, November 26th. I think they'll have that figured out. So upset, that will drop Texas A&M 10-2, knocking them out of the playoff. That's right. If Texas A&M would have won that game, They'd be in the playoff. Now they're done. Okay. Interesting. Texas A&M Aggies, none of us have them going to the SEC championship. But if you want to see who we have in the SEC championship, you got Wednesday right on the docket coming up. That's going to be the SEC preview on Wednesday. Make sure you guys tune in for that. And then what's going on the rest of the week, Tyler? Yeah, so uh, tomorrow is Georgia. That is our – third-ranked team. Yeah, we're getting that close. Uh, Wednesday is the SEC. Thursday, Friday is Ohio State and Alabama. And then, again, Saturday is week zero. We won't be around on Saturday. We may come, we'll come back on Sunday. We'll recap the games and everything. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of where we're, where we're sitting right now. Yeah, so I wanted to make this note real quick uh, because I've got them at 9-3. You both have them at 10-2. and two. This would be the best season, regular season record for AM since the Johnny Manziel freshman year, the one year he won the Heisman, 2012. That's how mediocre, or I'm not mediocre necessarily, but how they have not been able to get past that eight win hump outside of the COVID year in 2020. That that would be the best, like everything's normal circumstance wise, best finish for AM since 2012. Again, I'd argue with you that that COVID year was pretty legitimate because it wasn't all SEC schedule. Plus North Carolina. Very, very, very true. But at the same time, when you're not playing like in you know Death Valley at at, you know in in everything full capacity or Bryant Denny, I mean, you can't tell me that those wouldn't have been at least a little bit different. Some of those, I'm I'm saying. Anyway, we'll we'll agree to disagree. But, guys, pretty solid show. Around nine or ten wins. I think that's reasonable for all of I us. So, so, yeah. so yeah. we'll go ahead and see how Texas A&M plays out. They're one of the teams that I'm most excited to see this year because I want to see some of these young players uh, step up as well as some old names, guys like that Devon A-Chain or Anaya Smith or see what mm-hmm. Ains King turns out to be, the what if of last year. So, That'll be it for today. Thank you guys for tuning in for Loudmouth Sports, Loudmouth CFB.